acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Worst Year Ever, a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the worst year ever. We'll get through it together or not. Everything is so dumb, 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 Fuck the Olympics. Fuck the Olympics. Fuck the Olympics. Welcome to Worst Year Ever, a show where... We fuck say the fuck Olympics. the Olympics, but we don't fuck the Olympics because step one of anti-Olympic solidarity, and this is a hard one, do not have sex with the Olympics. Well, especially not on those cardboard beds, which has been debunked. Oh, yeah. You can yeah, fuck that's on been the debunked. beds if you wanted they to. They are not. You can fuck wherever I, you want. I understand it. They're not handing out the condoms anymore, though. No, they so the aren't. Olympics is supposed to be less of a an unhinged fuck fest. I um I mentioned this on Why even, even more news, but I actually have a friend whose boyfriend is at the Olympics uh, for baseball. Oh boy! And uh, she for sent baseball, me a picture. they do that. Okay. Yeah, apparently. Um, I guess he's playing for Team Israel, <laughs> and they're not good. Um, <laughs> that does not surprise me. Yeah. Not surprising. Um, he's like, well, okay, whatever. But the cardboard bed. She sent a picture of it. It is a cardboard bed. They give them exactly one pillow and one thin blanket. For these nice. Olympians, you got to stay I alert. Mean, you got to be fresh. It's a it's a bad idea. The Olympics has always been a bad idea. I think. Uh, I think it was good back. And I'm going to share my favorite piece of Olympics related trivia. You know the weird penises on all those statues, those old Greek statues. <laughs> yes. Define they, they, weird. Like okay, this is right where Robert goes. When we're how how about the tips, this is the tips of point. the. If you look at like David or any of those other. The, mm-hmm. n- number one, a lot of people will comment that like the penises kind of look a little small given the size of the people, but also the heads of the penises are kind of like curled up in a weird way. And that's not because their dicks look different. That's because they had a different attitude towards nudity, particularly among athletes. And ah. when you're an athlete, you didn't perform nude. You performed with a little thing wrapped around the head of your penis because what made you naked as a man wasn't that your dick and balls were exposed. It was that the glands were exposed. So you had to tie up the little head of your penis. They had these little things. You would wrap it around your waist, and um, it's it was a whole thing. And so the Olympics, all of those guys competing, 
They weren't naked. They had a little thing tied up around the head of I... their of their dick, which is why their dicks all corkscrew in a kind of a weird way in those statues. Thought you were making a joke, but I believe hmm. you now. That's absolutely true. It's the it's, it's the best. Um, so yeah. anyone who tells you the Greeks and the Romans just didn't care about nudity, that's not true. But the only thing they cared about was whether or not the head of Langular. your dick was exposed. Langular yeah. Uh, if, if the head's covered up, you're not naked. Then and it's fine to grope another naked man covered in oil. On that note, I think it's time for us to introduce yeah. our guest for the day. Yes. Uh, and that would be Molly Lambert from the No Olympics LA uh, mm-hmm. organization. Uh, and uh, she's here to talk about why the Olympics are terrible. Hi, Molly. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Fuck Thank- the Olympics. Fuck, Fuck the Olympics. Um, yeah, we're very grateful to have you join us today because there is a lot to unpack here. Um, this is something unpack that I think like is- a an Olympian untying mm-hmm. that weird little yep. string. All right, first of all, <laughs> I gotta get in on that argument. Um, so the thing is, the modern Olympics, the Olympics that we are against, that we are talking about, are a thing that was invented basically uh, around the start of like industrialism, uh, yeah. around the time when industrialism solves, you know, all the human needs, and then it was like, what else should we do with this uh, just you know boon of of resources that will never run out mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the modern Olympics have nothing to do with the ancient Greek Olympics, which are, you know, sort of apocryphal uh, competition between city-states where they would allegedly, like, you know, lay down their arms and go compete with each other. Um, total bullshit narrative. And the reason they invoke that is because the Olympics are invented by a eugenicist. Um, <laughs> like everything, uh, yeah, baby. like so many things we love today. Yeah, uh, uh, you love to hear it. The main guy who invented the Olympics, who brought the modern Olympics into being, his name is Pierre de Coubertin. He was a French guy, sounds and like Genesis. He f- yeah, that the founder like of the Olympics, and you can find all kinds of uh, super racist quotes from him about. Africans and just generally fucked up old uh, old weird eugenicist stuff. So oh, so interesting. The yeah. racist Olympics are rooted in racism. Yeah, would you well, believe? It's, so, it's one of the my favorite stories about that is that like everyone makes a big deal today about like the 1936 Olympics, which is the Nazi Olympics, right? And how like <laughs> I think it was Jesse Owens like showed everybody that like 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 won a bunch of gold as a black man won a bunch of gold medals and how this was like so embarrassing for Hitler and it actually wasn't because Hitler and Owens's coach were all really racist and were like well of course he's really good at running like he was living in the jungle not that long ago like that's what his coach said before the game like it was in no way did it convince any Nazis that like they were wrong about their racial well, ideas it reinforced also- them One thing you see throughout the Olympics and something I think people are really noticing this year is the way in which black athletes are tokenized Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh, sort of painted as being these perfect physical machines in a very racist way. Um, And, you know, we saw today Simone Biles uh, had sort of a breakdown and uh, is leaving and I think we're just having a different conversation about athletes and mental health and the way in which athletic victory, 
you know, can also like damage somebody. Simone Biles, especially, is somebody who, you know, is one of the greatest athletes in the world. Um, she was abused by Team USA, by Larry mm-hmm. Nasser for many years. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we would expect her to go back and compete for Team USA, to compete for mm-hmm. her abuser in order to redeem her abuser in the public eye, mm-hmm. is fucking insane. It's twisted. Yeah. It's twisted. Um, so, you know, one thing we always say is it's like the, the Olympics really present themselves as like a thing where it's like, this is the only place you get to see female athletes. This is the only place you get to see, you know, l- sports you wouldn't normally get to watch on television. That's completely a construct. There's no reason we can't have gymnastics in prime time if we wanted to. Yeah, that's that's the networks. That's, you know, corporate decisions, decision makers deciding yeah. what is broadcast. Right, and it's very sexist and and racist. Usually, what we end up broadcasting, you know, is like just football and baseball and basketball. Um, so again, we could have women's sports. Just making it so that the Olympics are the only time we get to see women's sports is part of the insidiousness of the Olympics. It's also a totally bad idea for these athletes to only compete every four years. Yeah. Because especially with some of the like younger athletes, it's like that is a lifetime in gymnastics mm-hmm. you know they might get to compete once or twice and then that's it you right know? then the lifetime and, is over yeah. right and if you didn't win a gold medal like what are you supposed yeah. to do with the rest of your life also there's no plan for these people uh the olympics doesn't care yeah very few people come through this um with financial opportunities right or uh security for the future and I think we saw the, that the idea that these are the greatest athletes in the world and, you know, we have to let them compete. And if we didn't have the Olympics, it would be such a tragedy for them. It's like, well, we saw that they uh, disqualified Shikari Richardson for smoking pot, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, so they're disqualifying people who might win for arbitrary racist reasons. Um and I think people are just catching on that the Olympics at their core are like a racist, uh, exploitative project. They were an offshoot of the World's Fair. They were like a side, a side circus to the World's Fair. And they're very much like the World's Fair. They're like a traveling yeah. carnival that comes into a city to extract all the money and displace people and bring in more police. And then leave when it's time to be yeah. accountable. Yeah. I want to um uh talk about all of that. I want to talk about the effect of the Olympics on host cities, policing on uh low-income communities, the unhoused, all of that. Uh but just to start, I want to hear a little bit about No Olympics and how you uh got involved with them. Just sure. to set us up here. Yeah, No Olympics LA was founded when LA was up for the bid that was entirely nobody in LA wanted the bid it's it's always just like you know oligarchs rich guys who can you imagine just as we've all lived in this in the city can you imagine anything worse than the Olympics hitting Los Angeles I know and when you'd like to leave here before that happens just a nightmare well in one of our get anywhere when it's the marathon for Uh, one of our big talking points is that the 1984 Olympics which LA likes to spin as this exceptionalist like we made money nobody you know we pulled it off we used all these existing structures um (sighs) totally screwed over 
poor people, black and brown people, led to a big increase in militarization of police in Los Angeles mm-hmm. that we at No Olympics believe directly is a straight line to the 1992 uprisings in mm-hmm. Los Angeles mm-hmm. because 84 was when they started being like, let's just take the toys out whenever we want. Yeah. Let's take the tanks out. They didn't have tanks before the Olympics. Let's put men in rifles on helicopters and let them fly around American cities because that seems necessary. And the 1932 Olympics were happening at the height of the Great Depression in Los Angeles. They, It was when there were Hoovervilles, like the big mm-hmm. encampments like we have right now. Um, and at this, and people said the same thing. They said, like, how are we spending money on this big tourist thing when people are dying on the street? You know, it just makes no sense. I The 2028 bid started No Olympics LA because we specifically set out to defeat the 2028 bid. It went through with no vote from anyone in the public, but um, it was brought by Eric Garcetti, Mayor Eric Garcetti, fail son of Gil Garcetti, uh, another former LA mayor and Casey Wasserman, who is another fail son, uh, grandson, I believe of Lou Wasserman, the super agent who started one of the big agencies, uh, Casey Wasserman, we like to point out is he's a sports super agent. He's like Jerry Maguire. He manages Megan Rapinoe, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he was on the Lolita Express. Was he now? Classic, classic. With yeah. Jeff, with with uh, just the the boys, with Jeff Jeff Epstein and Jeff Epstein. Uh, Kevin Spacey, K Space, oh, and uh, Chris Tucker. C- Chris Tucker, did yeah. Not oh yeah, Chris Tucker. Tucker, was Tucker also... rode on the Lolita Express at least once. Very just cool. With uh, with Casey. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, we also think yeah. it's insane that like somebody who was on the Lolita Express would be managing Megan Rapinoe and trying to push her as like this like feminist sports hero, and then getting her a deal with Victoria's Secret, who are also a huge part of the Epstein thing with yep. Les Wexner. You know, like the whole thing is so. Uh, Sick. Tied up with with capital and advertising and all this stuff. So Absolutely. My personal introduction into No Olympics is that um, my grandmother was supposed to be in the 1936 Olympics. She is uh, no longer with us. She passed away four years ago, but she lived to be super old, super cool. She sounds incredible. She was a, she was a high jumper and a German Jew, so... She was essentially going to compete for Germany in the 1936 Olympics, which uh, the 36 Olympics were sort of decided on before Hitler came into power. Mm. And then by 1936, Hitler was in power. He didn't want to do the Olympics at first because he thought they were for Freemasons and Jews. That's his quote. (laughs) Oh, Hitler. But he was convinced by Goebbels that it would be this incredible opportunity for propaganda. Yeah. Um, which it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And basically, they kept my grandmother on the team as long as they needed to because they weren't sure if the world would boycott if they started actively, you know, doing the yeah. uh, extermination stuff that they were going to do. Just started, act, you know, saying, yeah, we are really going to kill all the Jews. Um, so my grandmother was, you know, a great athlete. Um, and then at the last second, she got a letter essentially from Hitler saying, you're not on the team anymore because you're not signed a good Adolf athlete. Hitler. Yeah. Oh, <gasps> it's signed Heil Hitler. Yeah. No. 
That's, of course um, it is. So that's, that's an original Hitler right there. Yeah, and she was really, you know, she was worried because she wanted to compete and win, obviously, because she thought, you know, I'll show everybody that, like, what a Jew can do. But she also was afraid of she yeah. won what would happen to her and that she would be expected to heil Hitler on the yeah. podium and that, you know, she wouldn't be able to do that. Um, so she ended up escaping to England because of this. But, you know, I think just the whole thing and also the Nazis invented the torch relay. We love to bring yep. that up. And they invented it as a show of white supremacy, that it was the torches being lit in Greece and then the his, you know, the Western tradition is coming from Greece to Germany, where now the flame of Aryan supremacy will will uh, burn forever. Obviously, we all know what torches mean, but um, you know, even yeah, the main symbol of the Olympics is this is this white supremacist ritual. So I think I just always had a skepticism about mm-hmm. all of those things because of this personal experience about. Prop, you know, propaganda, nationalism, big spectacle, national, international togetherness, all of this stuff. Yeah, yeah, that makes it's, sense. Uh, it's amazing to me because this is both with um with L.A. and kind of how how the decision was made without anyone having any voters having input. Like you're seeing you've seen the same thing with Japan. I just read an article before we did this from the Daily Beast um, with the title, Fuck the Olympics. It was published back in May. And one of the things it points out is that about 83% of the country didn't want to do the Olympics. Yep. Um, heading into this. Like it, and in it, Japan. Didn't ma- it just did not matter. Like the fact that virtually everyone in Japan, like they had, they had like former mob bosses coming out and being like, this seems anti-human to do the Olympics right now. I mean, um, what is the the vaccination rate in uh, in geez, Japan? Is like something 3% like percent back then? They really botched the rollout. Yeah, yeah. So I think this is what we're seeing with Tokyo 2020 is the real mask off moment for the International Olympic Committee. That all the things they advertise the games as being about, you know, togetherness, like bringing people together, like laying down differences and celebrating the human spirit it's like they are gonna get people killed they, yeah it's not about that it's about money it's about money and everybody can see that now i think it's just about money and that's why they won't cancel it is because the only people who have the power to cancel it are the international olympic committee and basically the government of japan was like begging them to cancel it yeah. and they were like no which is that's wild, wild that the the host country doesn't get to uh, have some say in this. And I think it's worth pointing out that the IOC is comprised primarily of incredibly wealthy people, oligarchs, some mm-hmm. royalty, literally well, royalty. Who's, who, who's only, who, who have power and importance only because they get to decide where the Olympics is. So if we were to do, if we were to go forward with the Olympics and what I think every reasonable a person would agree is the rational way, which is like, well, let's just have them be in, in Greece every time they do them. and just. Oh, keep I'll permit- explain to you why that's bad, too. Don't <laughs> we'll worry. get to that. Awesome. Okay, well, I think the idea, like the, I, I, like, the only reason they have power is because they get to pick where it goes every year. Like, that's, yeah. like, at the end of the day, what makes the IOC, like, influential. And um, I don't know. They, like, why would they ever give that up? 
Like, why would they? There's no, there's no incentive for them to take any action that's actually in the best interest of any individual country right, or they the don't, people. They in can't it. be shamed, so they don't care. You yeah. know, one of the main, one of the people in the IOC is Henry Kissinger, <laughs> and uh, he gets paid more to show up and fall asleep in the stands than like the athletes who get paid nothing. Yeah, the whole thing is a grift, and they use the idea that it's like this ancient thing, you know, to had the grift but it's a very recent thing it's not like that 130 old. years old yeah um, and in 1904 they were doing human zoos as a part of it so like yeah. so maybe some of these things belong in the past i also think we're seeing like as we reach the end of industrial society what um what do we really need as humankind you know probably not the olympics um, i mean yeah, yeah. Like one of the things that key, I because they there's always this idea brought up that like it is somehow supportive of uh of of peace, right? That there's like there's there's some sort of international value in all these countries coming together to complete to compete peacefully right. on the sports field. And you would think the fact that the most famous Olympics occurred four years before the start of World War II would kind of put a lie to that. <laughs> yeah, because if there was any way that that was actually true. Um, I don't know. Perhaps and so much of it serves to rehabilitate and confuse people. If you're right. like buddying, buddying up with dictators, right? Um, I mean, if anything, the thirty six the thirty six Olympics did place this national spotlight on the Nazis. <sighs> and what we found out was that everyone in the world was like, "Okay, fine. Yeah, can't be. We're so not going to interfere. Normalizing not our problem. Them. Look at you how know. good they are at marching. And obviously, like <laughs> we've." <laughs> This has been rehabilitated through like Indiana Jones movies or whatever, but you know, America took a really long time to mm. get involved with mm-hmm. uh, it's because we didn't elect Indiana Jones president back in the That's 36th. right. Um, Lesson learned. So, the reason that it's bad to have the games in one place and it also wouldn't work is just the IOC. It can't be the IOC, it's got to be a totally different thing. It's well, got to sure. be worker owned games. Because the question is, like, who ends up paying for it, right? If you put it in Greece, they're going to make Greece pay for it. They already completely fucked Greece during the last Olympics that they held in Greece. Greece still hasn't recovered. So Greece is actually a terrible place, to put it. I mean, I'm not saying we should keep doing it the same way we're doing it. I'm saying there's probably there's a way to there's a way to pick if without having an IOC, there's a way to say, okay, if we want to have international games every year. It's you can like pick anything. a spot. It's, uh, we can all the, pitch in, you know. Well, I think it's like the athletes would have to own the games. And there is sure. an example of a sure. worker games that did happen. Uh, you know, in Spain, at, right? Yeah. I th- yeah. Just like I think we see with all the sports leagues, it's like the athletes are making profit off of their labor and their bodies. Who are they making this profit for? Mm. A bunch totally. of old white guys. Right? Henry Kissinger, I mean, that's a huge, Henry Kissinger. Yeah. <laughs> huge and valid point. They are making these people so much money. Uh, we pitched a jokey idea on uh, our other show last week, which would be to take Jeffrey Epstein's island and make that a permanent Olympic island and just reclaim it and everybody goes there you build it up you're not wasting anything and just yeah. every four years i don't know considering there. that the thing they have in common is like a really long history of child abuse yep. i feel like I, I don't think it's a good idea now after talking to you i just felt that i needed to bring it up <laughs> I, I could get on board with an olympics wherein we keep henry kissinger right 
Okay. And we hold them in Cambodia. And the whole Olympics is just him having to make it across a minefield. Okay. I mean, that's, oh, okay. that's the, the Olympics. Only, so the he's the editor. He yeah. is okay. the athlete, the only athlete. Okay, that's and a good idea. He gets a gold medal if he can make it across a minefield. Right. Well, the if he's IOC... the only one, he would get all the medals. Mm-hmm. We should have like hundreds yeah. of medals. So well, we the medal... medals keep, on him yeah, from like a B-52. More more exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the medal is he blows up, right? The medal is oh, yeah, he yeah, blows yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's getting um... medal one way or the other, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Welcome to the worst year ever. We'll get through together or not. Mother's Day is right around the corner. And in true She Pivots fashion... We're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Everything is so dumb, 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 dumb. I, I would love to talk about um, some of the fallout that we see in host cities. You know, it, it, it's, it's sold and packaged, as we've talked about, as you know, something prestigious. You know, something that a host city should want, you know, bring tourism and that there's economic benefit. However, it's simply not true. The reality is, is that every single Olympics goes over budget and it decimates the local communities in a variety of different ways. And I think that that's worth unpacking. Um, yeah, definitely. And, you know, you can just see that if you look at Rio, all the recent mm-hmm. Olympics, they've, they've been getting like seemingly worse and worse. Um 
Tokyo right now is such a disaster. The fact that they went through with it and, you know, you see they're trying to push the same narratives they always do, which is like, you know, triumph of the of the will, as they say. And um, and the sex beds, they always push like, oh, athletes are fucking crazy because they're so athletic. And it's this weird kind of feels eugenicist, like, you know, the perfect humans having the perfect Aryan sex. Mm -hmm. Right. Ideal humans. Um, and nobody cares because it's like COVID is happening. Nobody cares. Um, it's going to, it's this year would have an asterisk by it no matter what. Tons of people are dropping out for very legitimate reasons. They're having all sorts of fuck up issues with like not letting athletes that are moms like oh, breastfeed. I hate that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> You know, taking people off ADHD medications, which they apparently did with Simone Biles, like just all kinds of stuff that that makes people realize like, oh, maybe it's actually like maybe the cost to an athlete's mental health for doing this, especially in this extremely traumatic circumstance, isn't worth it. But it's super traumatic for people in Tokyo uh, who... Uh some of whom were displaced from housing, public housing originally for the 60s Olympics that were in Tokyo and then got displaced a second time for this Olympics games. Um, But we just like, we're just tracking at No Olympics all the fucked up stories and there's just like a hundred things every day. And they made the swimmers swim in water that was contaminated with shit. And so... (laughs) In this Olympics. Olympics. Yes. And so there's all these photos Uh. of like the swimmers like barfing and just like convulsing because they had to swim in this disgusting polluted bay and they just didn't call it off. I want to interject and just say that this in general, like all of this can be extrapolated to talk to other Olympics. The environmental impact. And we can talk about yeah, that later. And, but and yeah. the, they were trying to make this be like the recovery games mm-hmm. before COVID happened. That was the idea. This is the recovery game centered around Fukushima and the mm-hmm. nuclear disaster. Um, Fukushima hasn't recovered at all. And people in Fukushima were like, we still have huge piles of nuclear waste. They were trying to like move them out of the way in time for the Olympics. But, you know, we see this with every Olympics. It's just a superficial, it's for television. You're turning a city into a set for television for american so, viewers i mean right viewers are all over the world but especially in america especially but. so they so across cities in atlanta in 96 and la in 84 what they do is they sweep homeless people out of sight and they mm-hmm. sweep uh you know young brown and black people out of sight they in 1984 they started doing these gang injunctions so that they had an excuse to essentially round up any black and brown teenagers they saw and say hey, we think you might be in a gang. We're putting you in jail temporarily while the Olympics are happening. And so, you know, when they try to make it be like, this is about like how we love Simone Biles and she's so great and we're all rooting for her. It's like, well, if you really cared about her at all, you wouldn't make her compete in these circumstances. And if you cared about any of these athletes, you wouldn't put them through this. And if you cared about the human spirit and togetherness, you wouldn't completely fuck over Japan the way that you're doing. Um, or like and sweep up the undesirables. Which is yeah. it's just so, so blatantly not about celebrating athleticism or giving these athletes an opportunity to perform. It's just so right. blatantly not that. And it's, it's using sports washing to try and as a cover for all this stuff. And I, I think it's really not working this year. And 
that's interesting to see just because they have so much money. They've spent so much money on advertising and on, you know, propaganda. And when you watch the Olympics coverage, it's just propaganda. It's not even real sports coverage. It's like this person, like the human spirit is so strong. They came from nothing and now they're doing it for America. Also, it's um, boring. It's totally Sorry, boring. It's boring. The only thing that's cute is like <laughs> every I watched it last night for like 20 minutes just to like. And so boring. The only thing that was cute was that a 17-year-old one and the live stream of her family celebrating. Yeah, it made me smile. But See, the rest of it sucks. No, <laughs> well, I mean, you, you, I, can, you can appreciate when like yeah. someone who's worked hard all their life to See, become I'm excellent at something succeeds and feels good. And sure. also okay, be like, but, but we don't need this nightmare infrastructure yeah. built around what if, it. What if Captain Bringdown over here, yeah. that's me, <laughs> thinks that... Actually, like child athletes is probably just a bad idea in general very, too. Very, you know? sure. very well taken point. One hundred percent. Maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe that child uh, probably started uh, training way too early uh, to enjoy that's, being a human being. Right. Uh, I mean, that's a broader. Years old. That's a broader con- right. conversation. I mean, I we feel the have, same like, way about child athletes yep. the way I feel about child actors, which is yeah. that they should not exist and they should all be replaced with Martin Short as Clifford. Yeah. My oh God, my did you gosh. see my friend? Wait, wait, wait. My friend wrote an amazing oh, article about the making of, of Oh, Clifford. that was your friend? Yeah. I loved that. Rob. That was the best thing I've ever read. What is I, it? Is I, am, I keep seeing it passed around. The title is Honestly, the, the only thing that could have got me into watch Boyhood is if they'd followed Martin Short around for 15 years and <laughs> pretended he was a small child. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Oh, so yeah, I think even when we're like... Clifford, that's such a brilliant idea. Um, yeah. Molly, <laughs> that's such a good point, and uh, you're completely correct. I mean, they're too young to... Same with child actors. You're too young to make informed decisions about your Look, body. Look, when they're young, when they're I mean, that that's young, wait, I don't. I think that I might get reamed for that informed decision. No, you're I young. Think you're it's, growing. You know, you're learning. It's, that's obviously it's, people have encouraged you to go down this path. Anyway, go people ahead. are treating you like a mature adult who should be going. You know, training like an adult athlete. But we see that child athletes allow the you know allows the Olympics to exploit them because yeah. what happens is they. What happened with the Larry Nasser gymnasts is they were sent to a facility in Texas and they were told their parents weren't allowed to come, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which is like obviously very sketchy. But when someone's like, you're doing this all, you know, you're sacrificing everything for this dream that everyone has for your child, people don't ask a lot of questions necessarily. And they don't, you know, they 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 just trust that it's their kid's going to be taken care of. And you can't trust adult men with teenage girls in a weird physical sport it's just a totally weird construct that allows this to happen um yeah you know and we see it across a lot of the sports that like the younger athletes do get exploited and abused oh yeah and and their safety is never almost never oh it's not it doesn't matter and then they get kind of thrown in the trash when they're done you know Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. when and and a lot of them obviously like never go through puberty and their bodies are affected for their whole lives because they gave their lives to U- yeah. Team USA. And what did Team USA give them? Nothing good. And that's so, a broader issue than just the like you can just the Olympics. You can look into yeah. like when LeBron got scouted for the first time and how he was like he was like a, a preschooler when people started like looking at him as a professional athlete. Um, right, and, and I that's think the just, case in like a lot of football players too, who just kind of destroy themselves see, by the time they're twenty-two. And with right, and like with Colin Kaepernick, you know, and other 
black players drawing attention to the fact that, you know, black athletes are exploited and cashed in on by the leagues and and expected to not express themselves, to not have mental health issues, to just be these sort of bodies. Like, it feels very fucking racist and fucked up, you know? And I think um, they banned kneeling. They banned uh, any form of BLM stuff at the Olympics. They always ban any form of political expression. There was the time uh, in Mexico City that two black athletes did a black power salute. And at the time, the IOC was fucking furious. They have since retconned it into like, oh, we are, you know. This beautiful moment. Yeah. It was a beautiful moment because it was a beautiful moment. But. At the time, they were fucking furious because um, it's not, again, it's not really about, you know, um, people showing up for representing the groups that Mm -hmm. they are from, you know? Yeah. Um, You're supposed to just shut up and do what the IOC tells you. um, Yeah. All of that. So, yeah, we see just a real connection between the exploitation of athletes and the exploitation of cities. That's yeah. all the IOC is there to do is exploit and extract capital from people and places. And at a huge cost to taxpayers, you know, with very little actual uh, job creation, at least not in the long term. Like this no, isn't totally. the big cash cow that, you know, you bring in stuff in it and it's a big economic boon to, to your city. It's a logistical nightmare. And, um, you know, like like displacement of low income or unhoused people, the raising of, you know, shelving uh, development of low income housing and instead uh, making way for, you know. Stadiums nobody will ever use yeah, again. stadiums nobody, all yeah. the things, you know, hotels <sighs> sitting empty. Um, uh, you know, what that does, the, the pressure, the stress that it puts on the city infrastructure, um, and the environmental that. damage. And the environmental damage. That's yeah. exactly oh, what I was yeah. getting to. I would love to talk about some of the environmental costs. Oh, yeah. The they, tore, they tore down an old fish market, like a beloved old fish market in Japan for the games. And, um, yeah, again, it's like they're like, we're, we're building all this stuff. Isn't it great? And it's like it's always ends up being white elephants. None of it. You know, I've some of the people... We're more hardline, but some people are like, what if we built dorms for the athletes and then turn them into public housing? Which is like, well, unfortunately, the people that are building this stuff have no interest in it being useful. They're here to make money, not um, do something for the common good. (laughs) Right. And we see so much of that in L.A. anyway, Mm -hmm. that there's all this development. There's buildings going up constantly, but we have a huge housing crisis and you know, thousands and thousands of people living on the street because they can't afford housing here. Um, and, and there isn't housing. You try to move. There just isn't anything. Yes. I, and I mean, so one of the big Olympic partners that was just <laughs> announced is Airbnb. Uh-huh. Great. We also know are another like exploitative, extractive, like fucked up uh, company who don't give a fuck about the people in the cities um, that they are moving into. And it's all connected. It's like hotels. They're building all these hotels. Um, One of the things they said about LA, LA had a hotel shortage. We needed more hotels. 
Oh, God. Mm-hmm. So, I'd say know, an affordable hotel, hotel so, so shortage. No. Yeah. Just, How much yeah. you want to bet it doesn't drop the price of hotels? Nope. <laughs> no, exactly. It's like, and these rooms are empty. We know they're empty. We know people are investing in them as just like, you know, investment properties and not, nobody's in them. And it's very dystopian. It it's very. It's a write off for you. If you're losing money on the property, you don't. It's anyway. already just so Blade Runner in Los Angeles. It's like we have these giant, tall, empty buildings and then people living on the street who aren't allowed to live in the empty buildings. Yeah. Um, and it's all connected. The homelessness uh, is connected to the development. Um, and the development is is connected to the environmental impact. I mean, um, in, yeah. in Sochi, there was uh, widespread cases of uh, illegal landfills for the construction materials. Um, you know, animal migration territories were used as construction sites. There was a lot of spillage of waste into waters. Um, all of them. Same with Rio de Janeiro. Uh, well, where is this from? Uh, the concentration of viruses and bacteria in waterways and at sea was so high that, according to a study, it would have been enough to ingest three teaspoons to get seriously ill. What? Yeah, I mean, it's like it's so hot in Japan right now, too. Like, summer in Japan is incredibly hot yes. and humid. And so Jesus, this idea yes. that they always use of, like, people are just outside doing sports, it's, you know, with with climate change, that's going to be increasingly dangerous. Um, it is funny to me super that they, dangerous. they lied so shamelessly about what Tokyo summer was like. Uh, <laughs> it's going Americans to just, don't be nice know. and sunny. Americans yeah. don't no know. Idea. And that's like they say that about LA 2028 is like, oh, yeah. well, we have all these existing venues. We'll just use them, which is like they're already putting tons of money into remodeling a lot of stuff and they're still building tons of new shit anyway. Yeah. But um, I ran into our uh, beleaguered mayor, uh, Eric Garcetti. Did you now? I did. And I told him that we were going to stop the Olympics and uh, he was, you know, he didn't really even wasn't really even listening to what I was talking about until mm. halfway through. He was like, "Oh, you're against the Olympics." <gasps> but Listen. I said, <laughs> "You know, I said like, you, you know, I was shit. like, do you know how hot it's going to be in 2028? Like, no one's going to be able to be outside. It's going to be a hundred thousand degrees. Just no one's running the torch smoke relay, rolling over the fucking right." City. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, Athlete it's getting dropping. hotter and heavier, hotter by the time we oh, meet 2028. Beautiful. Again, I don't think anybody should even stay in LA. <laughs> I'll be clearing out. He won't. He's going to be the ambassador to India, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's clearing out already. <laughs> yeah. um, that's why we're also kind of trying to throw some of the focus on Casey Wasserman because he's somebody who wants to be sort of a public presence without really being a public figure, you know? Yeah. He's very involved in capital and development in los angeles and sports boosterism and we have a ton of teams nobody cares about most of them and you know he he locked his twitter account when it first came out that he was on the epstein plane um Classic. so he sort of like wants to be this guy who's like doing all this stuff behind the scenes and we we are kind of trying to throw a spotlight on him and say hey you can't just do all this stuff and not expect to get blowback, you know, with your name attached to it. Yeah, absolutely. And he and Garcetti are the same, actually. They're both, they call themselves the 84 boys because they're both rich kids from L.A. who were there for the 84 torch relay, which was run by O.J. Simpson. 
<laughs> Whatever uh, happened to him? He seemed <laughs> he must have had a good career. He was a great athlete, Let right? Me, Twitter guys. darling OJ Simpson. <laughs> Let me take a quick sip of coffee and Google his name. Well, I mean, that's the thing. All these people show up, you know, throughout LA history, just like over and over again. So, like, yeah, there were people who thought the '84 games were great. They were rich people, yeah, mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Brentwood who uh, fucking Brentwood got to go to the games and you know be little Lord Fauntleroy's because their dads. <laughs> Because their families were important, you know, and rich. And then um, go back to their mansions on the other side of town and, right, and like, avoid the fallout. Yeah. Nobody else even gets to go to the Olympics. There are no, like, tickets for locals. It's all taken up with, like, the oligarchs and uh, international oh, yeah. What, people. You, you know what? Lo- have you seen Los Angeles people? No, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah, they're not going to put us on television. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're too beautiful. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, I've been aware of No Olympics for a while now. um, And I think that the work you guys are doing in spreading awareness is really uh, important and very well done. Um, I'd like to talk about the 
the changing perceptions um, of the Olympics and, and, and sure. how you've done this organizing work. I think when the Olympics started, people were very skeptical about the Olympics. Um, just like, why would you want to stop them? You mm-hmm. know, you can't stop them. They're this unmovable force. And we've definitely seen people kind of come around. I think people were also like, why are you fighting this? Like, isn't there more important stuff? And we were like, well, it's part of the important stuff. And what it's really all about is like, who are these cities for? Who are our big metropolises making space for? And who do they belong to? And who does public space belong to? And who gets to decide what gets done with that public space? Yeah. Um, Most people didn't even realize the Olympics were a possibility in Los Angeles, nor that they were being voted on just by city council. Um, or even that we have them now. I think most people in LA have no idea that we're supposed to have the games in 2028. Yeah. Uh, they, they just approved another games in Brisbane, Australia, and people in Australia were fucking pissed because yeah. they did it very shadily and, you know, with no input from the actual population and they did it while these nightmare Tokyo games are happening where nobody wants the Olympics right now. People can yeah. see that the Olympics are a wrecking ball. It almost comes- feels like this like malevolent alien invasion that just well, strikes a community. Funny you should say that because um, one of the big touch points for Tokyo 2020 is Akira. Yeah. Which takes place at the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. Um, it was made in the 80s, but it in, it takes place in a dystopian world that involves the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Stadium and a giant monster alien psychic ball of energy type thing. So a lot of people in Japan were doing memes about it, yeah. about just how like Akira came true. Except for, I'm, I'm going to guess the Olympics will wind up doing a lot more damage than Akira. Yeah, we will get way less cool motorcycles, at least. I'd like to see a Space Jam three that uh, gets into this. That the 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 like the regular Monstar mm-hmm. competition they have is actually destroying the Toon World, and they have to deal with the fallout of that. I think that's uh, yeah, right. Budget, well, yeah. Becomes, starts like bombing condo developments in mm-hmm. order to keep rent prices low. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I have always felt that Bugs Bunny was a comrade. Oh, oh, yeah. oh for sure. Yeah, Bugs, Bugs Bunny and Uncle Ted are like this. I'm, I'm, I'm twining <laughs> my see. fingers together. <laughs> you can't see it. Um, yeah, I think what's interesting is we move through this and talk about it, and you say like, people are like, why are you focusing on this? Well, this is a cross-section of so many issues that are vitally important right now. The environment, social justice, um, you know, racism, over-policing, development, and community impact. This is actually, um, uh, I mean, it just represents all of the issues that we have to work on right yeah. now. And like this sort of like unstoppable monster that's like, it's, yeah. a thing, it's a thing that's like a tradition that we like started at a certain time and it's gotten to the point where everyone who looks at it can look at it and go, we sh- obviously we shouldn't do that. But, but here we are. The, the, yeah, the train just can't stop. Right, and they make it seem like the train really can't stop, you know, which is similar to what happens with gentrification, where people are like, oh, you just can't stop it. It's just going to happen. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, if you get enough people in front of the train. Right, if you want to stop it and you decide to, then. Yeah. No, I mean, they promise things to communities that are like, we're going to give you a swimming pool and we're going to give mm-hmm. you a tennis court and, you know, that'll make up for all the gentrification. And, and <laughs> um, there's this really great 
James Baldwin quote that I'm going to totally um, fuck up, just quoting it from memory. But um, in this piece he, he did in Esquire in the 60s, where he talked about how the white people expect black communities to just be happy with like, oh, we, we put in a swimming pool. Like mm-hmm. now everything's, you know, now everything's fine. Um, you know, and he says that it's like they don't want to think about what it would actually take to mm-hmm. invest yeah. in a black neighborhood, invest in a black community in a way that is like meaningful or makes any sense. Mm-hmm. They just want to put the swimming pools in and be like, look yeah. at what, look at all we've done for you. And it's also this idea that you can't just invest in the black community. The the investment, so to speak, in the black community that's not really an investment has to come as part of a bunch of rich people getting entertainment. Right. So there's like a tennis court that Venus and Serena Williams played on that you know L.A. boosters are always using is like, look, they played on the tennis court that the '84 games like put into South L.A. But again, it's like if you look at what was happening in South L.A. In the 80s and early 90s, like, it was a nightmare for people living in South L.A. Yeah, that doesn't offset it. (laughs) It doesn't offset it. And it also, like, if, if, you know, if two athletes were able to get out of that environment and become, like, great athletes, like, you know, what about everybody else who, like, isn't a great athlete who you just completely fucked over, you know, militarized police and and sent them to terrorize people in these black and brown neighborhoods you know they really and and still you see with the current games they're just like hey look skateboarding pay no attention to anything else like mm-hmm. check it out we've got skateboarding now so yeah we we say you know follow the money um if you want to start following the money with la 2028 you can follow the money at airbnb uh, Rick Caruso, the creep who made the Americana and the Grove and like mm-hmm. hates, hates people, hates real neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, the and Americana this- and the Grove, to all of our listeners not in Los Angeles, are big shopping center experiences yes. that are Disneyland, Disneyland malls. Um, AECOM, who developed SoFi Stadium, which is the big new kind of white elephant stadium in Inglewood that they are using to gentrify Inglewood. Um and the LA84 Foundation is a big one because that's like where the profits allegedly went from LA84. Um, the profits in LA84 were only made because uh, everybody pulled out at the last second and McDonald's stepped in and like <laughs> uh, gave away some free cheeseburgers and stuff. Oh, but yeah. again, like, you know, they always say, oh, well, that one made a profit. And we say, well, for who? Who did it make a profit right. for? <laughs> right. And right. the people it made a profit for was this thing, the 84 Foundation, which is all over Los Angeles. Um, they took the $92 million surplus from LA 84 and put it into a private, unaccountable nonprofit that has millions invested in oh. Blackstone and Goldman Sachs. There it is. And it's run by this woman, Renata Simmel. How is that who's, a nonprofit? Okay. Anyway, go ahead. Dude, I mean, nonprofits are their own yeah, yeah, yeah. black box of, uh, <laughs> of corruption. But yeah, it's run by a, a, someone who is a real estate uh, person. So, you know, again, it's like, it's not about sports. It's not about togetherness. It's not about showing off a city to the world. It's about money for a bunch of rich ghouls. And yeah. that is it. 
It's so a, it's how can our listeners bad. support you guys or get involved? I mean, what are their goals here right now? Education and... Yeah, I mean, our you know, we have a goal, which is to stop the Olympics from coming to Los Angeles. Good. There are precedents for Olympics getting canceled. Um, Could you talk about that a little more? Because yeah. that's not a story I've ever heard. Sure, yeah. I mean, there they've been, a lot of bids have been canceled. Boston stopped a bid. Um I don't know that anyone has stopped the Olympics like that were, but but it could happen. Any that's the thing. It's like we live in unprecedented times. You know, all of these things that were invented for the beginning of like modern society, a lot of them don't serve a purpose anymore because modern yeah. society is collapsing. And I think people are aware of that. And I do think that because of COVID, people's priorities. Your average person who watches the Olympics or might compete in the Olympics might have had their priorities shift Mm -hmm. to a place where giving it all up for capitalism, for someone else to make a profit with the idea of glory isn't what anyone wants to do either as an athlete or just like as an employee, you know, because they talk about the athletes the same way they talk that Jeff Bezos talks about like Amazon workers. Like, yeah, they're doing it all because they love it so mm-hmm. much and like they don't care that they are breaking their bodies and destroying their minds and might die on the line because it's all for the greater good of me, Jeff Bezos. And that's what the Olympics are like. It's like nobody's life is worth sacrificing well, for the Olympics. Kissinger. Kissinger, I was well, going to say. Yeah, yeah Kissinger. for sure. <laughs> I like your idea where Kissinger is the only athlete. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's compelling for sure. It's just yeah. two weeks of just kind of like hilarious torture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it would last two weeks. He's an just old the, man and yeah, his minds work pretty well. But he's think about how long he stayed alive. He's clearly. He is. Yeah, he's made a pact I mean, it, with somebody. It's like, he made a pact with the devil. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think the devil's not nearly serious I, enough. I, for, anyway. I agree with you, Robert. Yeah. <laughs> I think the oligarch Olympics is a great idea. Let's mm-hmm. see uh, those people get out and swim in the shit bay. Instead. Oh, that, that would, would now, be fun. You see, and that's a thing cities would fight to have. I would be fine with, with Los Angeles hosting that Olympics. Like, yeah, we're going to have you. We're going to have you do, like, I don't know, a 200-meter swim in the, the port of Los Angeles. <laughs> Jeff I Bezos. Mean, <laughs> I would be I amazing. Would, everybody would watch that. Everybody would watch that. That's, That's what's going to bring everybody together. That would bring yeah. the city well, together. I think the thing that really brought people together the other day was uh, hoping Jeff Bezos would uh, blank in mm-hmm. space. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. all of us were disappointed by that outcome, but... Yeah. You know. been... but that really brought the world together. Yeah. It did. It was exactly. a bonding hope, experience. Hope brings us together. It was mm-hmm. hope, yeah. <laughs> So I think that it's all just, you know, people are seeing that the Olympics is kind of this microcosm of all the bad things that are happening Mm -hmm. to the planet because of rich people who want to just extract everything they can and then get the fuck out to Mars as soon as they can. Um, You know, just especially the idea that they're going to bring like tons more police into Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's something most people want. And I think the people that do want it are the same people that like the Olympics. (laughs) Yeah, there's a real cross-section there. There is a cross-section. People who like fascism also tend to like giant displays of national power. Yeah, and propaganda. Interesting how that works. It's an interesting correlation you're making here. 
Um, they like uh, everyone's favorite girl boss, Lenny Riefenstahl's uh, <laughs> Triumph mm-hmm. of the Will. Which Hashtag I also girl think boss Lenny. Not a good movie. Not a good movie. No, <laughs> terrible pacing. In addition to, yeah. Terrible pacing. L- terrible pacing, but like very fascist. Just mm-hmm. like bodies, bodies, bodies with no interiority, which is what the Olympics is. And again, I think we're seeing like some of the viewers don't like it when the athletes express their interiority, when they say mm-hmm. like, you know, my mental health is important to me, uh, more yeah. important How than like. How dare you? Disgusting. <laughs> Take and care think, of yourself at the, uh, against our we, wishes. Right. And then they were putting so much pressure on like Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka and people to like redeem the games and redeem it for athletes and, and you know. No. No, just let them let them relax, especially when you look at what they did to Simone Biles, the idea that they're sending her back into the situation where she was traumatized and being like, okay, now like win a gold medal. It's truly horrifying. Um, it's fucking insane. And yeah. there are alternatives. There are other ways the world can be. And I think, again, just after the pandemic, which is still happening... Yeah, um, we're not out sent, of this for a long time. No, they sent volunteers half vaccinated to the Olympic Games in Tokyo right now. Um, there was this clip that went around of this Australian coach like jumping around when his person won and he like pulls his mask off and he's screaming and there's this like Japanese woman trying to get away from him. Oh, I mean, when you it's think gross. about uh, just... <laughs> You know, the, the, the pop, the percentage of the population that's been inoculated in Japan. Also that the fact that the, the majority of countries do not have access to vaccines the way, uh, we do and, and are struggling with this. So they're putting their athletes at risk. They're putting their home country at risk and they're putting, um, the local citizens at risk. Right. They're putting everybody at risk and people are not happy about it. And I think we're seeing that, um, that they can't just roll over people, you know, and the fact that we're getting any traction on no Olympics when we have, you know, no money and mm-hmm. they have so much money for their propaganda. And, you it's, know, we hear more and more people say, oh, you guys are right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what you were talking says, about at first, but now I get it. It says a lot about the issue and uh, the state, the, the approvals of this, of this institution, just that people, that, that it's changing and people are realizing and, you don't need a lot of money to make it clear that this isn't okay. Um, and the world is changing and people's and priorities changing. are changing. And I think that athleticism, <sighs> just the old systems aren't working anymore. And people see that. Um, and the IOC is just a relic of this type of colonialist grift. Um, and... That's just been made very clear right now. Yeah. Because they are screwing over Japan and being real dicks about it. Right. And being being racist about and it. Racist, yeah. yeah. Thomas Bach, who's one of the head of the IOC, like referred to Japan as China the other day. Uh, mm. Well, like, you he know, can't even he can't even remember can, what country can, he's exploiting. Once God. you get further east than, I don't know, Ohio, it's all pretty much the same. Yeah, it all right? like a bunch New of, York, Russia, China, Japan, just, basically I mean, the same. Have you met like your like racist European men? They are terrifying. Yeah, it's uh, yes. Yes, I have. We're just racist <laughs> in our <laughs> Although I did meet a European man once at a, an anarchist squad in Ljubljana who believed the moon was a hologram. That's that's that's, that's 
my, been well, my favorite true. European conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, Molly, thank you so much for joining us today. This was really interesting and informative. Um, can you tell our listeners where they can find you guys online and you sure, and yeah. share your work? You can find, you can find No Olympics at noolympicsla.com and at No Olympics LA on Twitter. Um, you can find me at Molly Lambert on Twitter and I will have a podcast out later this year about Heidi Fleiss, um, the Hollywood mm. madam. Mm. Ooh. So that will also involve a lot of Los Angeles based corruption. Very and, interesting. Uh, I will mm-hmm. definitely be checking that out. Um, oh yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. And as always, you guys can follow us online at Worst Year Pod on Twitter and Instagram, etc. You know the score. You know what's up. Um, very cool. Worst Year Ever is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.